This is the Cool Meanderings with Dr. Germ G Podcast. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Cool Meanderings with Dr. Germ G Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Germ G. If this is your first time listening, welcome to this, what I think is a very interesting podcast that meanders between topics such as education, culture, lifestyle, entertainment, sports, music. I try to explore a gamut of interests that I have and and share those with those great listeners like yourself. So thank you for listening to the podcast and please like, share and subscribe. Today I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about one of my favorite areas and that's international education. If you don't know, I'm a former professor uh, and my background partially deals with international education, primarily at the higher education level. And this week happens to be the official International Education Week, which is a collaborative effort between the U.S. Department of State and the U.S. Department of Education to promote educational exchange and opportunities to share culture and ideas and perspectives through teaching, through learning, through service. And it's it's a great way to highlight all of the different communities that are represented in our schools, in our towns, from countries all across the world. And I've always had an interest in promoting different perspectives, different cultural ideas and community perspectives as far back as my days as a kid growing up in Queens, which is one of the more culturally culturally diverse places, not only in the United States, but around the world, really. And so, yeah, it was, it's, it's been a great privilege of mine to study this topic and to experience it as a practitioner, as a student, um, and today as a podcaster. So I just wanted to quickly highlight um, a few things about uh, where we are, we meaning the United States, with international education. So recently, the Institute, the Institute of International Education released its annual Open Doors report, which highlights the, 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 the pace of student mobility. That would include international students coming to study at U.S. colleges and universities and students, U.S.-based students, choosing to study abroad. Now, the numbers have been somewhat disrupted in recent years by both the COVID-19 pandemic, but arguably uh, because of some of the changes that have been going on in our society that date that predate the pandemic, probably go back four, five, six years, depending on your perspective of politics and cultural issues, um, this, I think this is definitely the case for international students, international student enrollment, which has grown precipitously over the last you know, five or six decades, did begin to slide a bit following the 2015-2016 academic year. So from essentially from the time of the 2016 presidential election going forward, we've seen a a gradual decline in international student enrollment. Now, I'm not suggesting that there is a direct correlation. I have not done such a study. This is just, you know, it's somewhat coincidental. Some would say, well, yes, there have been 
certain policies and perceptions that have derived from that period that may contribute to it, so be it. The point is that um, this data is documented. The, 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 this sort of s subtle, well, gradual decline um, from the 2016, well, really from the 20s, yep, yeah, from the 2016-2017 academic year going forward has been documented. Uh, obviously, well, yes, obviously the COVID-19 pandemic um, had a huge impact on student mobility, both outbound and inbound. So um, now based off of the, the data that was released yesterday for the 2021-2022 academic year, it looks like international student mobility is slowly rebounding, still not where it was during the 2015-2016 academic year, but it's rebounding from, it rebounded about 80% from the previous year, the 2020-2021 academic year. So roughly about eh, 900 and 900 and uh, let me give you an exact number here if I can. Uh, about 950,000 students, uh, which is still a bit below where we were some years ago, but still very good relative to the previous year. Again, an 80% increase, which is pretty good. And the, 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 the main flow of students continues to come from Asian countries, China, India, South Korea, which is great. Uh, there's a, a fluctuation between China and India in terms of uh, the, the most dominant movement. Until recently, Chinese students had been... Um, the most predominant number of student, student group coming to the United States. They still are in raw numbers, but percentages in percentages, they are, they are declining relative to Indian students. Indian students coming to the United States has steadily grown and the momentum doesn't appear to be slowing, which is great. You know um, why these numbers may be fluctuating between these two groups um, you know, maybe for a number of reasons, one can speculate as to why the Chinese student data may be slowly declining. I personally think that, you know, um, there are, there are an increasing number of options, alternatives for students to, to, to choose, to choose from now globally, you know, U.S. colleges and universities continue to be some of the more highly ranked institutions in the world. But then college rankings have recently had some issues in terms of public perception. You know, there are examples of really highly selective colleges and universities pulling back from their participation in college rankings. So, you know, I think we're at a period where we can honestly begin to critique the, the relevance of global rankings outside of reputation and perception, which aren't, you know, which aren't insignificant. But I think that it's, it's, it's easy to say that, you know, these issues are happening merely because of politics. I think there are lots of factors out there that may be affecting 
students' choices for study abroad, particularly from countries like China, India, South Korea, the places where the bulk of students appear to be coming from to study in the United States year over year. So now, interestingly enough, the number of students coming from other parts of the world have been sort of flat, maybe fluctuating as well. But I think I think that the United States overall remains a highly attractive destination for study abroad, and we're likely to see the numbers continue to go up um, in the coming years. Now, what what that will look like, you know, in terms of the where the students come from, will be interesting. I think we need to keep our eye on certain issues globally. Uh, to see, you know, whether it would be the uh, ongoing conflicts, but also international disputes over trade and natural resources, human rights, debates. I think all of these are all the issues that will probably have some impact on where students are going to, where they're coming from. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I do think, though, that, you know, overall, the trend looks to be relatively healthy um, for international student movement to U.S. colleges and universities. Uh, we'll see. Now, in terms of students going abroad, first of all, the, the number of U.S. students going abroad has historically always been somewhat, somewhat small relative to the overall college enrollment here in the United States. It's typically been around 1% annually. Unfortunately, due to the pandemic, that number has dropped significantly. The The IIE, Institute of International Education, reported um, a little over 14,000 students going abroad during the 2020-2021 academic year. Now, the way study abroad reporting works is that uh, you get the data for the previous academic year, which is the full year. So, so for instance, so for next year's report, the 2023 report, we'll get the study abroad data from the 2021-2022 academic year. Well, it doesn't look like, it doesn't, it doesn't appear to be too promising at the moment for student mobility outside, from, from the U.S. outward. I would argue that a lot of this is is attributed to the high amount of caution taken by U.S. communities during the pandemic. Um, if you consider where we were in fall of 2020 and spring of 2021, I am cautiously optimistic that the numbers the numbers will probably be a lot higher for 2021, 2022 going forward. Now. I think a bigger question is, you know, where does, first of all, there are a couple of big questions. One, will the numbers get back to where they've, where they've been historically? Will we see a sudden jump due to the pandemic? Will, 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 you know, will the, the, the COVID lockdowns inspire more students to perhaps take the leap of faith and go see more of the world while they have the opportunity? Or will we see, uh, a significant increase in the use of virtual exchange and educational technology to 
to create hybrid situations where maybe you have students that, you know, they, they connect virtually for four to six weeks during a semester and then they meet up in their respective countries. Maybe you have students, let's say, for example, you have a, a group of students that are taking virtual classes with students in Florence, Florence, Italy. And maybe the first six weeks are virtual and then you have two weeks of U.S. students going to meet their meet their counterparts in Florence, and then subsequently the students based in Florence maybe come to the United States for two weeks. I'm not sure how that works logistically, um, depending on the models that are being used, particularly for Florence. From my recollection is that the Florence model is to have hundreds of students from several dozen U.S. colleges and universities convene at one residential community or cluster of communities where they can study and live and congregate. Um, Not necessarily always with Italian students, but, you know, or with Italian host families, but just collectively, you know, in one, not dorm, but residential community, which isn't, you know, a terrible thing. I mean, students definitely had opportunities to see, you know, more of Italy, uh, more of Florence and, and, and wider Italy and Europe itself. But in terms of how this works in, ter- in, in promoting international student exchange is an interesting question and how virtual exchanges can can support that. It's a big question. Um, based on the the recent mapping of internationalization report from the American Council on Education, this is a report that the the American Council on Education produces and releases every five years, surveying you know anywhere from you know a few hundreds to thousands of of senior international officers higher education administrative leaders, presidents, vice presidents, to get their perspectives on the state of international engagement on their campuses. When you, when, you know, internationalization is essentially um, a way of describing how colleges and universities emphasize or prioritize international engagement, you know, whether it be student mobility, students going out, coming in, or faculty doing international research, uh, faculty engaging in international collaborative work, you know, universities developing partnerships with colleges and universities in other parts of the world, you know, or you know, creating language at your institution that that reflects international engagement as a priority in your mission statement, your values, you know, your your key priorities for spending for campus development, for student activities, you know, residential education, you know, continuing education, and on and on and on. Just having an international focus permeating throughout the, throughout the campus, throughout the institution, that's internationalization. Well, based on their, their reporting, their, ma- their, their reporting from the uh, Mapping Internationalization Survey, it seems that um, almost half or around 40% of, of respondents definitely saw some value in 
virtual educational exchanges, particularly, you know, during the pandemic. Now, I've long thought that, you know, virtual ex- educational exchanges were an, an inevitable aspect of international education. I mean, because, I mean, we're living in an age where everything is virtual. So you, you would have to think at some point, colleges and universities would get around to thinking about incorporating ed, ed technology into the international education experience. And I think the pandemic forced a lot of institutions to seriously consider the value of ed tech in their exchanges, but all, but not just in their educational exchanges, but in just the way their institutions operate and function. So now going forward, I think, I think it's, um, I think there are some, some really interesting opportunities for universities to reprioritize internationalization in a way that greater reflects the innovation that can accompany the use of ed technology, but also rethinking what what the college, not only what the college experience means to students, but what the international educational exchange or internationalization can mean both to students, to faculty, to, to staff. I think I think these are some interesting opportunities, but also with those opportunities come challenges. There are some serious challenges, particularly as enrollments fluctuate and and you, we're sort of in a period of reevaluating um, the the importance of almost everything um, in our society. I mean, there are these conversations about big ideas of what it means in our culture to 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 be inclusive, to promote equity, to be anti-racist, to in inter- international education circles, to to promote decolonization, you know, to to still be a capitalist society, but one that is more inclusive, that embraces and respects different perspectives. And thinking about how international education can support these ideas, these big these big questions that we're trying to make sense of and solve, I think is something that a lot of senior international officers and university college and university presidents and vice presidents have to think about, in my humble opinion. Well, in any, in any case, I think that International Education Week is a great time to just appreciate all the opportunities that are afforded to students, faculty, and staff to engage in, you know, different kinds of interconnectedness, global interconnectedness, and to appreciate the all the perspectives that exist out there through teaching and learning and, and service. So I wish you all a great International Education Week. And uh, if you have a story that you'd like to share about your experience celebrating International Education Week or just your own international education experience, feel free to drop me a line at drgermg at coolmeanderings.com. You can also drop me a line on Twitter. I'm at germdr. And my YouTube channel is at drgermg. My handle, my YouTube handle is at drgermg. 
or you can just search for Dr. Germ G on YouTube and you'll find uh, my channel there with some videos, cool videos that, that complement the podcast and some other ideas that I have. All right. Well, thanks very much and have a good rest of the week. Cheers. This is the Cool Meanderings podcast with Dr. Germ G.